Have you ever wondered what's at the core of every human conflict? Well, you're about to find out. You're listening to Braving Bad Bosses with Jeff DeWolf and Todd Chandler, where we discuss how to survive a bad boss and not be one. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Braving Bad Bosses. We are in Season 3, which we've entitled Breaking the Cycle. We spent the first two seasons really talking about the horror stories of bad bosses and you know what they should be doing uh, in order to provide good leadership to us on a daily basis. But this season, we're focused on breaking the cycle. We are looking at a bunch of ideas to help us grow into the kind of leaders we'd like to be and break the cycle of bad bossing, if you will, as we take on more and more responsibilities in our homes, in our lives, in future jobs, or even in our current job. So this week, we uh, come to a topic that is uh, very difficult, to be honest. It's uh, the topic of conflict. And so it's, uh, it's a poignant topic for me. I'm, I'm excited to share a little bit about what I've learned about it and how it applies to leadership. But um, I hate talking about it, I'll be honest. You know, just sitting here getting ready to do this podcast, even though I've, I've taught on this topic uh, dozens of times, I've, I've written obviously a chapter, a short chapter on this topic in, in the book Leaders Lead. Um, it's still uncomfortable. So I'm going to start out by just answering that question that I teased you with at the beginning of the podcast. What's at the core of every human conflict? Uh, this is a very fundamental question, but it's something that I, I've learned over the last few years that I think holds true. You see, each one of us as individuals have things that we want, that we need, and that we expect. And those can take the form of many different things, right? From the basic needs of air, you know, and food and shelter to things like acceptance and, and love and you know, being listened to and respect and some of those sorts of things. But the bottom line is it comes down to something that we need, want, or, or feel we deserve. And where conflict comes in is this. I'm walking through life, and there are things that I feel like I want, need, or deserve, but something stops me from getting there. There's something in the way, and oftentimes that's a person. A person with their own wants, needs, desires, expectations gets in the way of something that I want, whether it's just peace and quiet, whether it's just... Uh, you know, the ability to answer an email without interruption. It doesn't matter. It's something that I want, feel, ne- feel I need, or feel that I deserve. But there's someone that stands in the way of that. When something or someone stands in the way of something we feel like we want, deserve, or need, our brains perceive a threat. And we go into what, what is commonly known as fight, flight, or freeze. And so just to keep it really simple, not to get too scientific, but, you know, our autonomic nervous system gets out of balance, and we start to feel like there's a threat, even if it's something as simple as I wanted to be heard in that meeting, but um, I keep, kept getting shut down or talked over, all right? Our brain says I deserve respect, I deserve to be heard, I deserve to have a voice in this meeting, but I didn't get it, and so I feel triggered. So when that triggering takes place, our body kind of takes over, and we start to feel the signs of conflict. We start to feel the signs of an activated sympathetic nervous system, and we lose our ability to think clearly among other things. And so I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on what's going on there because we obviously don't have time in a very short podcast. But I encourage you to go take a look at that. Go study on your own the effects, the physiological effects that our bodies go through when we experience conflict. So the one thing to think about this, I guess, as we jump into this topic is that conflict is going to happen, right? All of us have experienced it. All of us are currently experiencing it. Conflict is everywhere. It's happening in organizations all over the place. 
The problem that happens in organizations is when conflict is not dealt with, when it's either seen as a sign of toxicity, which then uh, causes people to panic, or it's ignored and uh, not dealt with constructively. And so what happens then is it becomes very toxic. It creates toxicity in a culture when conflict is allowed to take place without being harnessed or without being understood, resolved, dealt with, and all of that. So um, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. True leaders understand this. True leaders don't panic when there's conflict in an organization. They deal with it. They don't ignore it. They don't hope it goes away. They don't let it just sort of run its course. Um, They get active and they do something about it. But here's the issue. Before we can do anything about conflict on our teams or between our teams as leaders, we need to be able to understand it in ourselves. And so it's very, very important that we as leaders recognize when we're starting to feel the signs of conflict, when we're starting to feel um, that in our own physiology, learn how to deal with it, learn how to uh, regulate our emotions, get back under control before we try to be a leader. It can't happen. Leading does not happen when we've lost it emotionally, right? We have to be under control. We, we have to recognize it in ourselves first so that we can get things under control before we attempt to deal with anybody on our team. One of the things I remember about traveling on Southwest Airlines, the flight attendants um, would, would practice their routines and it was very funny. And it was just one little simple thing that I heard on multiple occasions when the person got on the intercom and they said, in the event of uh, depressurization or, or whatever, oxygen masks will fall from the ceilings. Please place the oxygen mask on yourself before assisting your husbands. Now, I just found that funny. So we need to learn to put the oxygen mask on ourselves when it comes to conflict, regulate our emotions before we attempt to mediate conflict, to help our our teams deal with conflict. That's the main idea. And so how do we do that? You know, one really quick thing that I'll just mention is this idea of breathing and waiting. When we start to get triggered, and you know what it feels like, right? You know, you start to sweat, heart rate starts to race, um, you might start to get dry mouth as your body is diverting energy away from normal functions to uh, be able to, to be able to fight, you know, to be able to either run or fight, you know, and so it takes over. And so you start to feel those sorts of things. So what do you do when you start to feel those things as a leader? Well, one of the first things you need to do is breathe. A lot of great uh, statistics, a lot of great studies on, on what breathing does to, to your autonomic nervous system. The slow inward and outward breath can, can help to regulate those things and bring it back into balance. It's kind of funny, but if you think about it, you know, when you watch a movie or whatever, you see conflict in action, you see someone very upset, you know, and agitated. What does someone say? Take a deep breath. Stop. Stop. Breathe. Breathe. You know, there's a lot of truth in that, and it works. And so if you need to, go breathe. You know, you start to get activated. You start to get agitated. Just say, you know what, can I take just, a, a, you know, a little bit? I needed to go for, a, I'll go for a walk. I'm feeling a little bit upset. It's much better to telegraph that you're feeling upset and you need to take a little break than it is to say something you're later going to regret, right? So go learn some breathing techniques. I talk about one called box breathing, which the Navy SEALs, I guess, use from time to time. Um, But there are other ways to do it. Um, But go learn how to do that. Go breathe. Allow your system to come back into balance. Because once that happens, your prefrontal cortex, your thinking, you know, the kind of the decision-making part of your brain will be back online and able to kind of keep your emotions in, in, in check, help you say the right things and not say the wrong things. So breathe, get away, come back and deal with your issues. Okay, so there's only so much a person can do in a 15 or 20 minute podcast on this vast topic of conflict, on physiological reactions to conflict, 
to regulating emotions. I mean, obviously, right? Um, all I want to do is pique your interest. Go back and study it. There's some tremendous research on, on these topics. Spend some time learning about it. I, I guarantee it'll change your life. It'll change your life. You'll see things in yourself. You'll start to be able to learn how to, how to deal with a lot of relational challenges. But in the meantime, you know, I'm all about practical. I don't want to leave this, this short podcast without giving you at least a few tips for how to mediate conflict. So let me give you six quick tips for mediating conflicts. Now, there are hundreds of conflict mediation strategies, but I'm just going to give you six things. You may disagree with them, but these are things that at least I feel like will give you a good, a good start on maybe jumping in to help deal with a conflict on your team. The first one is a little bit controversial, at least in my, some of my workshops, and that is I recommend that you meet with the people in conflict together, not separately, if at all possible. Now, it may be necessary to meet for a few minutes separately as someone brings an issue to you and starts to vent, um, but my recommendation is that don't, don't spend a lot of cycles, don't spend a lot of time just letting people vent and blaming other people for what's going on and then going to the next person and hearing their side of the story for an hour or two and let them vent without, without the other person present. That is not going to be very successful. I've never seen it work where you deal with people one-on-one, one-on-one, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and have the two of them result in, in a restored relationship. So I always recommend you try to meet together. That's the first rule of thumb. And, and it needs to be done at a time when, when neither person is, is just steaming, you know, is, is triggered and, and is reacting emotionally to something that just happened. That needs to take a little time to, to dissolve and, and resolve and go back into balance, right? You know, if you meet alone, all they're trying to do is win you over to their, their perspective. They tend to embellish. They tend to stretch the truth. They tend to leave out important facts, right? All of those things. And then you get together with the second person and they do the same thing and you leave going, have I just heard about two totally different events? I mean, this is crazy, right? And that's just frustrating and not productive. Okay, the second tip that I'm going to give you is, is what to do in that meeting, right? So you've, you've decided to do this. You get the two people together in a room. Take charge. You're the leader. Before someone jumps right in, what, what I think you should do is set the ground rules for the meeting, okay? Set up the rules. Explain the plan for the meeting before you jump right into the issue. And that just sounds something like this. Hey, you know what? I understand that the two of you guys are kind of, you know, in conflict here. There's your button heads on this issue. Uh, hey, that's totally normal. But here's what I'd like to do in this meeting to try to resolve that, try to help discuss this issue. And I'll explain in just a second what those steps are. But the point of, the, of number two here really just is, is spend a few minutes just explaining, hey, you know what, here's what, here's what the meeting is going to look like. Here's the format. Here are the ground rules. All right, we do that right up front. All right, so what are those ground rules? So that really brings me to my third tip, and that is to give each person in the conflict the opportunity to briefly share his or her point without being interrupted by the other person. Maybe it's common sense, but, you know, especially when emotions are high or when the issue is important, people start to talk over each other, and that just causes the other person to get triggered. So um, it's very important to, to have that as one of your ground rules. Allow a person to share their, per, their perspective and their point of view for a period of time, not for an hour, but for a period of time before allowing the other person to share their perspective. When they're done, allow then the other person to go through that same process. Give them the same respect to listen, share their thoughts. Don't allow the other person to jump back in and correct. They'll get a chance to, to respond after we're done. Anything you can do to kind of maintain that, that structure is going to be helpful, right? Okay, so that's the third point 
just allow each person to share without being interrupted. Being interrupted is, is just one of the major triggers that will cause the meeting to go south in a hurry. All right. Fourth, I think it's good to try to depersonalize the disagreement. What does depersonalize mean? Well, we want to make sure that that whatever the issue is, we try to bring that issue back into the context of why it's happening. And sometimes it's a positive thing to be able to say, listen, you know what? I think you guys are probably kind of at odds at this because you both care so deeply about the company or you both care deeply about customer service. And I think I'm sensing that that's what's, that's what's causing this. But you know what? Let's just agree that we, we, we all want what's best for the team. We all want what's best for the customer. And I think by, by keeping that as, at the forefront, we'll be able to get through, we'll be able to get through this. Um, another way I, de- I like to depersonalize things is just to, to look at people and say, listen, you know what? You guys are both passionate. You are passionate about your position. You're passionate about what you're doing. You both think you're right. And I would rather have passionate people on my team than people who are apathetic and don't care. So I see it as a positive thing. Um, now let's figure out how we can harness this and turn this into a, a, good, a good result for all of us. Just finding ways to depersonalize is, is really critical. Okay, fifth, when in doubt, ask questions. Questions are your best friend as a mediator. You're in the middle of this. Things are getting a little bit, you know, dicey. You can jump in with, with thought-provoking questions. Thought-provoking questions causes people to stop their rant and maybe think a little bit about their response, okay? So um, there's, there's a lot of power in, qu- in asking questions. I think it's a great idea to interject, to ask a question, um, something that might sound like this. Mary, what do you need more of or less of from Tom in order for you to feel better about this? Just a simple question causes the, the, the thinking to start to happen. Go, it starts to move people to solutions. All right. So my final tip for mediating conflict is just call for a break. All right. If, if you start to sense that one or both of the people have been triggered, as the leader, your job is to call the break. You know, don't wait for the person who's being triggered to say, you know what, I need a break. If you see it, go ahead and call for the break. Ask people to go back, take a walk, go, you know, go, go get a drink of water. Let's come back in a half an hour and, and kind of pick, pick this back up. Or let's table this for now and, and talk about it later this afternoon. Um, but take charge of that process and call for a break. Very important. Okay, so those are just some tips that I think can help make, make a mediation meeting, you know, an intervention of sorts a, a, little bit, a little bit more successful. These never really go as planned. I don't want to make it sound like it's colored by numbers because it is not. It's going to feel very different. And many times, these kind of meetings are very sloppy. And so uh, don't get discouraged by that. Do your best, and you'll be fine. But most importantly, just try to see conflict differently. It's not something to be avoided. It's not something that means that this is, you know, this is falling apart. Um, it's normal. It's, it's, it's normal. It's one of the most fundamental human conditions when we put two people together, we will ultimately get in each other's way, right? And, and get in each other's way of getting what it is we want, what it is we need, or what it is we feel we deserve. So it is completely normal. And I know that that doesn't help sometimes, but, but repeating that can be helpful as we remind ourselves that um, I don't need to panic here. This, this happens to everyone. Okay. And right on cue, that's Hell's Bells. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that Hell's Bells tells us that we've been talking long enough and it is time to wrap up so that people can get back to their day. As we're doing this season, I will wrap up with three main points to review, five quick questions to consider, and one action you can take right now in this area of interpersonal conflict on your team. 
All right, here are the three points to review based on what we've been talking about. Number one, conflict is normal and can't be avoided altogether, but it can be embraced and harnessed to drive better teamwork, problem solving, and decision making. Number two, as leaders, we need to first recognize our own physiological reactions while in conflict and learn to maintain strong working relationships ourselves you know, before we can start to help our teams. Number three, our teams will need us to actively engage in conflict mediation as they develop the ability to self-resolve conflicts among themselves. It is our goal as a leader you know, to, to work with our teams so that they can start to self-resolve conflict. But in the meantime, you, you're probably going to have to step up and be a mediator. All right, five quick questions to consider, to ponder right now as you kind of look inward. When I start to get triggered, what physical reactions do I feel? Think about the last time you were irritated. What did you feel? Did your heart race? Did your breathing get shallow? Did you start to sweat? What do you feel? Recognize those things. Number two, have I set the expectation for my team that when we disagree, we'll work it out together? Is that an expectation you've set? Good question to ask. Number three, do I get frustrated when conflict happens on my team? <laughs> Which is really kind of ironic, isn't it? Two people get into conflict and you feel triggered because it's irritating. It's frustrating, right? It's easy, to, it's easy to feel that way. Number four, are hurt feelings and offenses addressed quickly when they happen, or do I allow them to burn out of control? Number five, do I see conflict as a good thing because it can bring issues to the surface that can make us better? Okay, here's one action you can take right now in the area of conflict. Um, I would go to the individuals on your team separately and directly ask if there are any unresolved conflict simmering below the surface of the team. Make sure that you're aware of what's going on. Ask each person individually if there's something that needs to be addressed. Sometimes it's not just disagreements or conflict among your team, it's disagreements and conflict occurring with other teams. Okay, so I know I went very quickly through this very complicated topic, but I hope that you've gotten something out of it. I, ho I hope that it's piqued your interest and causes you to go and study this, this issue a little bit more on your own. Remember, you can break the cycle of bad bossing if you adopt the mindset and skill set of real-life leadership. Thanks for listening. Take care.